What's going on, everyone? I'm Bert. And I'm Fonz. And this is Bert and Fonz. The other day, you and I were talking about this this idea, this concept that I found was really interesting. And I wanted to bring it into the podcast because I thought this would be a really good space to really get in depth on that conversation. Because I know that we just kind of highlighted it, but we didn't really get into it. And it was sort of this this concept of how technology has grown over the span of like your lifetime all the way up and through mine. And then it was like just how it's been slowly permeating things as we go along, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually started with uh, that uh, Throwback Thursday post that I put on social media uh, not long ago. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a picture. It wasn't a photo like you usually do. It was just a quote that said, all right, guys, I'll see you later. I got to go home because I'm waiting for a call. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something you don't hear anymore. Um, no, no, not at all. It would probably blow somebody's mind, more than one mind away, because um, originally we did have phones at home, and that's the only place where you had a phone. Right. It wasn't like this thing you kept in your pocket all the time. Correct. So you don't have, you don't, you're not waiting for a phone call elsewhere the phone call is picked up wherever you are now so the whole concept of having to go to your house where the phones were located and they used to be shared as you know by the whole family right it was not you know like we had you had one phone at home maybe you had several different what do you call them terminals or yeah or just like receivers or whatever receivers yeah yeah yeah. so you could go in the hallway and pick up a receiver you could catch your sister talking to her boyfriend and then she would just yell at you across hang up the phone or where you would get the whole like rob telephone and you would have to go to where the phone was located in the house and that is no longer the case and hasn't been the case for like how long now decades so you remember that right you did have a phone at your house or did you always have a cell phone no 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 no. when i uh when i first came into being and remember us having a phone uh, we definitely only had one phone for a long time Mm -hmm. um and that was really interesting like there was a lot of that stuff where i i wanted to like talk to one of my friends like covertly and didn't want my parents to know if they picked up unless you were really really like into it and you were like listening for the cue like the slight little click yeah the the covert it's not covert like the stealthy right 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 did you guys have, um, sorry, did you have, guys have that thing where like you could see the cable from the phone go around the corner into a more private space <laughs> where like somebody we, was trying to have a private conversation? Yeah, when we first started out, when we only had the one phone in yeah. the house, it wasn't like the rotary dial or anything like that. We, we were beyond that point, luckily. Um, I had that. That was my first one. Really? A rotary? Yeah, that's how my mom taught me how to call my friends when I was like six years old. Interesting, interesting. Rotary, yeah. Uh, but our first one was actually... Um, just one where it was like, you know, it was hanging on the wall and you picked it up and right. then you had like the big old spiral cable that went off yeah. to it. So if you wanted to go elsewhere to have a more private conversation, you had to kind of like go around the corner and then and you, yeah, saw the cable you could totally there. see the cable like going around yeah. the wall and everything. But contrasting that to eventually getting my first cell phone and having like the freedom to walk around anywhere was, I mean, it was like night and day. How I, old were you? probably 12 or 13. And so it was shortly after my parents had separated. And the reason I actually got a cell phone was so that they could both be in contact with me. Right. Um, but without, you know, if I wasn't there, but without necessarily having the other parent, like police, exactly. Police your calls. Or exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was very freeing, but as a young man at that time, I also, noticed the implications of how I could start to use it to communicate with my friends, which I got in a lot of trouble uh, right, uh, right. right off the bat. Because, you know, back then you were paying by the minute. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Right, yeah. right, right. So if I used it all of my minutes to talk to my friends instead of either one of my parents, uh, there was there was some hell to pay for that one yeah. a couple of times. Well, I did that when, when I got separated with my daughter. Like, I got her a cell phone so I could have calls with her. Yeah. Un, unmonitored. Yeah. And, and that's what we did. Like we did a pay-by-minute. That's the way that I could also keep tabs on her usage of the phone and stuff like that. Hmm. Very interesting. I, uh... God. That just makes me think about all these different times. Like, the first time of, like, taking calls uh-huh. and, like, having to navigate being in the house with my parents and everything. and uh, Or if I needed to call somebody and they were on the phone, like... 
my parents are taking work calls or whatever and they like need to talk to somebody they could easily pick up the phone and be like hey hang up the phone i gotta right. make a call yeah i couldn't do that as a kid well of course yeah because you don't have yeah you don't have a say in the household you just yeah right but there were definitely um times where if i picked up the phone and heard they were on i was like okay i'll just wait until they're done so i would just stay there so you just knew by your parents call well, I wasn't snooping. Like, I had it on mute, and then I would just, like, let it sit on the desk or something. But okay. you could still kind of hear it coming out of the, oh, right, out yeah, of yeah. the speaker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I would just wait. And uh-huh. then um, it was always interesting. There were a couple of times where I went to do something else and forgot about it. And then I would come back, and the person they were talking to didn't hear them hang up. And so they thought the conversation was still going. And I'd be like, hello? Hello? <laughs> yeah. are, you, are you there? Like, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Hang up. Yeah. yeah, those are fun times. I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody, like my daughter, for example, is, you know, she's, uh, she's born around the turn of the millennium and she doesn't have any of those experiences. I mean, she does remember, I think when she was a baby, she, we did have a phone in the house, a landline, mm-hmm. but she hardly remembers using it. And what floors me is the whole, the, the stark difference in situations where I went to school my entire childhood without that, like the phones were at home, they were landlines versus my daughter who got a phone for me when she was nine or so, maybe eight. And she informed me that they had a ban in the school bus for texting. So that just totally blew my mind. That was so foreign for me that the kids would have a ban from texting because that's how they could, you know, communicate they had like this little underground going on in the school bus behind the adults back because they could just text one another. Mm-hmm. And so the the adults expressly had to give them a ban on using the cell phone. So it just blew my mind that a bunch of eight-year-olds would have access to a cell phone. And I just could think all the kind of mischief that we would get into right. had we had access to that kind of technology. Right, right, you know? right. Because I even remember how big of a deal it was for my birthday one year. My parents got me my own landline. Yeah. Oh, wow. Like a separated line from the house. So I didn't have to worry about that anymore. Like I had my own, my own landline. How old were you? 15. Wow. Yeah. When, yeah. When I was 15, I don't think my parents thought I had any human rights either. I, I <laughs> you know. So that's amazing. 15. That must have been... That must have been like a big step for you, right? It was it was liberating to know that they trusted me um, enough to give me that. But I think it was also because they got really tired of me um, interrupting their calls or they're not being able to like make their calls whenever they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it was liberating on both parts, essentially. That's a nice tactic, though. <laughs> it's a yeah. be a pain in the butt until your parents just, you know, It was also a you. great tactic if I got in trouble, and that was the first thing to go if I was to, like, get grounded. They're like, all right, well, we're taking the phone line. Oh, right, exactly, that. yeah. And, and I'm like, oh, but, but I, I got to coordinate with my buddies. Like, we got to go out and do the thing. And they're like, I guess you have to do it the old-fashioned way and walk over to their house. So you didn't get grounded. You just got your communication means... So confiscated. Gr- grounded for me at that point um, was they started to take away the the technologies or the different things that I had. I mean, that was at that point in my life. Um, but you could still go out, though. I could still go out of the house. I just lost all the comforts that I had right. that kept me wanting to stay in the house. That's interesting. You know? We were just in prison. You know, you, could, you just couldn't leave the premises, period. When you got grounded? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just like, you know, you, just, you just had to serve a term. Right. You know? I, I think that was also a point in time where my parents started to notice, like, a shift in where I wasn't going outside as often. Mm. Um, and they wanted to encourage more of that. So they're oh. like, all right, taking away all the distractions at home, and now you have to go outside if you want to do anything. Go play in the yard or something. But that's just sticks and dirt. You used to love sticks and dirt when you were a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Good for them. Good for them. It explains a lot. <laughs> Come think of it. What does that mean? I'm just, I'm just giving you crap. I'm just no, but I think I think that's a great thing for them to do. You know, right. just make sure that you're going out there and not depending on technology as much. Right. Right. Exactly. And forcing you to go out and play. And I think that that even holds true to this day um, with my little brother. Right. So my little brother is 18 years younger than I am, which 
not necessarily uh, something that was planned for, but I mean, we're all really, really glad that he's here because yeah. he's amazing. My brother's sixteen years my my younger just as early. Oh, so it's not so, I, so I, it's not I, that I, uncommon then, or not different? Because yeah. when it when it first happened, it definitely was like, oh, this just doesn't that doesn't happen. Right? No, no, no. It's a, yeah, no. That uh, we're talking about the, having a difference in age with our brothers, right? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, the, the only thing is like my brother is probably older than you. And this is a little bit off topic, but I just want to drop that out there. Um, you might become a real close friend with your brother in adulthood. It's funny because I remember I my so. brother. I remember I have two memories of him completely distinct. One is the child that I would hold up and treat like a little kid, and I would yep. take him to the fair and sing him songs. And the other is my buddy. We have beers and we talk about stuff. And they're kind of separated in my head, like I have to join them on purpose. Right. And he has the same thing with me. Like, I'm his buddy, and we can give each other crap and all kinds of stuff. And then on the other side, there's this other side that's a little bit, I'm an elder and I'm authoritarian in some context. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's just so weird to think that that tactic actually still works and is way more effective now with my little brother. Um, Simply because he's connected all the time through some sort of technology. Always. Right. He can't leave the house without having an iPad, even if they're just going to like the grocery store, because for some reason, the time in the car on the way there, having that amount of time without being connected drives him insane. That's like torture for him? Yeah. That's wild. Just, just the thought of a road trip or being in the car for an extended period of time, and we're talking five minutes or longer, something is needed to keep entertainment, to fill the quiet, to fill the downtime. There is some sort of content or media or whatever. Like, it needs to be absorbed. You know, it's interesting. I find myself, a lot of times, if I'm in a waiting, if I'm waiting for a table at a restaurant or something and everybody's looking at their phone, I find myself looking at the phone too. But what I do immediately is when I see everybody else doing it, I try to put the phone in my pocket and just stare off in space and deal with the initial discomfort of 30 seconds of feeling awkward. Uh And I have to say here, I think it's important for me to point out that I'm really not new to this. Like, I was carrying a laptop and doing social media before everybody had a smartphone. Like, I've been working in tech all my life, and my father's from IBM, so I've been related to this. I, I, you could say that I'm a first generation, so none of, I'm not just talking as an older guy who's like, oh, this is foreign to me. None of You're it is foreign. You're the original early adopter. I, yes, I've been, I've grown up with all of it, so I, it's not that foreign to me, but I still feel privileged to have known the time where you could just put your hands in your pocket and stare at the barman right while you're waiting for your table just stare at the bottles behind the guy and just count them and i try to do that Mm -hmm. right yeah and i try to do that today so yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense so that that ties into like a little piece of what we were talking about before we were talking about how that all kind of related into industrial era versus the information era right and how like we've sort of like spanned that gap essentially. Yep. The the industrial era to me is what started with the industrial revolution in the 18th century or eighteen uh, seven late seventeenth century maybe. So the industrial revolution that took place uh, uh, more so in the in the Western world was back in the time of the Victorian British Empire and where like big machinery and big factories took over and progress was determined by this new technology built by machines. And then the digital era or the information era is when we start relying on the internet where there, where communication and information globalizes, so to speak. Mm. So when through the internet and through technological advancement of communication devices, there's this revolution in communication brought by the internet, which For pretty sure, much sure. debunks... Um, just overthrows television and print media as the biggest communication media of the time and establishes the internet as a big medium that completely changes the way we interact with each other and the way we have access to information. So I, you and I were born in the 20th century, yeah, and that's the tail end of the industrial era. And then the beginning of the information era is what determines the life, the world we live in today mm-hmm. right now. So... Just wanted to make sure we defined that. No, I think that's great. And just to have that sort of clarification to mm. know that, like, you and I both started, even though we're, what, 
I think, 29 years apart or so. I think, didn't you say once that when I was born, I think maybe that might have been a couple years ago, you said, when you were born, you were the age that I am now? (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah. Were you, what, 27, 28? I was 27 at that time, yeah. So, yeah, so I was 27 when when you were born. Right. So that's our age, that's our age difference right there. 27 years. Yeah. And we're still part of the same tail end of the same era. Right. Which is sort of mind-blowing to think about. And so what's interesting, we have that overlap, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. And yet there's not exactly, you know, it's not a one-to-one. Well, there are some things. So, like, um, I, I don't know if this would be a one-for-one example, but, like, I remember the first time I got a computer in the house. Oh, right. Yeah. And, like, growing up before that point without a computer in the house or even knowing what a computer was until it got to a point where, my mom's work was trying to get into computers and kind of figure out what is this whole new computer thing? What is this internet about? Maybe there's a future in this computer what, thing. What What is the internet, really? Uh-huh. And how can we how can we utilize that for our business? And so it was her being in marketing, like, okay, you get to take all these special classes we're going to pay for, and that also means that you get to have your own computer at home. So our first computer at home I don't know. I think that was probably around 95 or so. Uh-huh. Um, but it was, I just remember that coming into the house and like it being a special occasion. My parents like, all right, like we've got a computer in the house now and mm-hmm. it being like this big deal. And I didn't even know really what that was at the time. I mean, I was so young at that point. Like, I knew it was something new, but I had no idea, no idea at that point what it really meant what right okay and so that was that was a very interesting thing to kind of like experience looking back at it now anyway experience Mm -hmm. that uh and then seeing where things are now to the point where i mean i can i have a freaking computer on my wrist that is more powerful than that computer was that came Mm -hmm. home that day right 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 i mean we're talking floppy drives man yeah i know yeah well we yeah so my first one um my first computer, I think I did know how big it was going to be because, like I said, my dad was an IBM guy. So I remember him in the 70s, in the 70s mm-hmm. coming to the house. And back then, computers were things that would take up a full wall mm-hmm. and would be managed by people in white, long, white lab robes. And they like would have big these server big rooms t- and everything. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. these big spools. Is that what you call them? Spools of tape? Yep. yep. And they would just put them up there. And my dad worked in IBM back then, and he comes to the house one day, and he has a little model. And it's a cardboard model that shows what I thought was a desk with a TV on it and um, paper rolling out of it and some kind of typewriter in front of the TV. Hmm. And he says, this is the personal computer. This will be in everybody's house in the future. And I look at my dad, and, uh, and of course, my dad didn't explain things all that well. you know. So he would he would say, so... You put data through here, and you take data out of this. And I was like, who's going to want a data in-out machine in their house? You know, because he'd explain that. So I just told him, I, I like, you're nuts. But so I remember my it's first crazy. computer was... Nobody's ever going to want that. Right. So my first computer was kind of a... It was an AT that sounded like a helicopter. And we can talk about that a little bit more later. But it was really funny because it was like state-of-the-art. But now you think about it. And it's like I said, just think you just power up and it goes like... And it's like something's going to take off any minute, you know? Yeah. But I wouldn't compare it to... I think the comparable experience to your first computer, for me, is my first television. <laughs> So I was born, there was no TV in the house. So we were like a couple of years, like just bitching and moaning at my parents, the two kids. So TVs were around, they just, there wasn't one in the house. Yeah, not, every, it wasn't common. not everybody had one. Right, right. So I just, right. I was born, and I, I think in the States, because this is the 60s, in the States, they were a household item. Mm-hmm. But in Europe, not so much. So in Europe, some people had TVs, fancy people had TVs, but not everybody. You know, you could still play it in the street. There was radios, every house had a radio mm-hmm. or two or three uh but not a tv and i remember we just kept begging our parents to get a tv and they finally got one when i was like around five years old so that was the big one 
is like, come see what's in the living room, you know, and I would just go running there and right. boom, there's a TV. Wow. And I remember it's a black and white TV. <laughs> and they were showing a bullfight. Like all Spanish stereotypes that you could think of, there, there was a bullfight on that. Sure, yeah. There's only two channels. Uh, one channel ran all day. Well, all day from from like eight in the morning to like yeah, eight a.m. To, to midnight or something like that. Okay, yeah. And then channel two only ran in the afternoon, and that was it. Hmm. You know, channel two started after lunch, and it just ran for a few hours, and that was it. No twenty-four hour programming for those channels. Nothing, like. and then, and people would be glued. And of course, you know, we watched what was fed to us. You know, and that's another story. But that that would be my analogy to your first computer. Right. That makes sense. That that would be. Yeah. So we were about the same age when these pieces of technology entered our lives mm -hmm. like yours with the tv mm -hmm. mine with the computer um just a very vastly different thing you mentioning that just thinking about it it's really interesting to know that between yourself me your daughter and then my brother mm -hmm. we have like this four generation time period essentially that spans both eras right 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 the, the industrial the information era Right, and to go from something where it was literally, you you had nothing to like really feed off of other than going out and hanging with your friends, or if you mm -hmm. wanted to talk to people, like it was going to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. or, or you uh, sat in front of the tube like some, you know, comatose idiot and just watched whatever they fed you. But not to the degree that it is now mm -hmm. with my brother. And I think that's just, it's a really interesting dichotomy. Right. Well, and you could argue, too, that, you know, the technology your brother has can be interacted with. Ours was more passive. Mm -hmm. But then by the same token, we had a lot more access to free. We were a lot freer in that. Um, let's do this. Why don't we do a timeline game? Let's play a timeline game. And between you, myself, my daughter, and your brother, let's call my daughter the millennial. Okay. Even though you're technically a millennial, but she was born technically yes at the turn of the millennium. So, right. And you weren't, so you. Were, she, she is quite literally a millennial. Right. You're more of an old fart in that sense. You know, <laughs> you might be a millennial, but you're. A millennial. I am an old soul. <laughs> yeah, that works. Okay, so let's do myself, Fonz, uh, Bert. Um, which is the old soul millennial. And then we've got <laughs> yes. the real millennial, let's call it that, would be my daughter. My brother, who is now part of, what I think what they're calling Gen Z. Gen Z, yeah. It's, it's yeah. what takes place after millennial. Yeah. I, it'd be interesting to see what they call, you know, what the idiots that make up those names call the next gen. That's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're out of freaking letters now. Gen Zero. Or is it uh -huh. going to go into Gen Double A? Because you know whoever's making these names is an expert at Excel. I think the next one's going to try to use an emoji, and it's going to be funny. <laughs> it's going to be a poop I'm emoji looking forward or something. To, yeah. Gen poop with <laughs> eyes. Let's play this game, and we're just going to go through timelines from the industrial era, the okay. tail end okay, of okay. the industrial era, the 20th century. I'm going to go through my timelines, and then we're going to see how they compare to yours. And we're going to pick up when the millennial... We're going to look at the millennial's life and my daughter's timeline. And we're going to go all the way up to your brother and just reminisce and, you know, just reflect on, on what things, how things have changed. I like that. I like that. Okay. So if we're going to do this, um, milestones, what would you say, like, would that TV be your first milestone then? Let's, let's pick the TV. Yeah, let's yeah. pick the TV because it's a big one. It's a big technological milestone. It's in the mid-1960s. I was right. born you, in the mid-1960s. Yeah. You were still fairly young at that point. Very. So. I was, yeah, I was probably four, four years old. So okay. I don't remember any technological advance before that. So yeah, you're right. Let's, try, let's start with that. So my first TV was in the second half of the 1960s. What were you up to then? Uh, I was not even a thought on the radar. <laughs> okay, so you, you weren't you, you weren't with the program yet. So okay, let's see if you can catch up. So I'll go to the next milestone then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My next one would have to be let's see, we had TV. Um, oh, um, the first pocket calculator. Really? That entered the house like in the mid nineteen seventies. And we thought it was so cool. It was like a Star Trek kind of thing. But it's one of those gizmos that you could hear the clack of the keys. <laughs> and some of them would get stuck, you know. And then we would have like all these jokes where we would make it say error. Right. And sometimes you could spell things with numbers and then turn it around and they spelled jokes and stuff. Boobs. So, yeah. That, I, that, I guess, in English. In, in Spain, we had a couple others. 
Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like the how that could take off between different languages. Right. That opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Yeah. We could spell some stupid crap in Spanish. You know, you know some Spanish. So yeah, I'll have to look that up and we'll we'll talk about so, that another day. I do. So <laughs> what were you doing in the mid seventies? Uh I think my parents were they were for sure dating at that point again. Okay, so you were already a threat to humanity. Yeah, okay. you could say that. <laughs> Good. All right, I was, so I was on the scope. So we're getting closer then. We're getting closer. Yeah, All right, yeah. cool. So we have what's that? The second milestone. Mm-hmm. Third milestone, I would have to say, would be okay. Early '80s, first VHS deck. Really? First video deck because back then we had also Betamax. If you'll recall. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. Which was a better format, and they just lost the war. They actually, what I heard, what I learned actually was in that the film one with school, the giant disc. No, no. no. What I was think, the Betamax? So Betamax is a smaller. Betamax is. This is how you know I'm young. Smaller tape. I think it's it's less. I think it's three quarter inch. I don't. Don't quote me. I actually studied this. So, this so was, was it closer to like a cassette tape size then? It was a little bit smaller. It was a little bit smaller than VHS. It was higher quality, but what happened when I studied in film school was mm-hmm. that they Sony and Ampex I think was doing VHS or I, I remember who was doing VHS. They actually decided to split the market, so they sat they did a treaty so to speak after a war format war, and Sony kept the professional market using Betacam, so mm-hmm. televisions were using Betacam format and retired Betamax from the domestic. Okay. market okay and then vhs or well, ampix i don't sorry we, we should look it up eventually but vhs retired trying to get a stake in the ground of the professional industrial um, format and concentrated on domestic so that's what happened right so that would have to be the early 80s that's and i'm guessing you're still like your parents are getting married then or something uh like. early 80s i think they were having they were talking about having me at that point okay so we weren't quite there so working we're, on Bert, we're really damn close. So Project Bert is now in the work since it's not, not defined as. <laughs> can yet. we can we not refer to me as being Project Bert Project in the works? Project Bert in the works. If you, if you catch right. my drift, that's okay. But that, that I don't want to think about that. That's good. okay. <laughs> erase. It's erased. Right around the end of the eighties is where I got my first computer. Right. So that was. Okay, so that right there, that's when I was born. Right. It was the end of the uh, 89 or something. Yeah, that, yeah, that works. I don't remember if it was 88 or 89. I know that some of my peers, because my dad worked in ABM, thought that I had missed the train. Really? Because, yeah, well, back then I had left home for a few years, and I was away from technology. And so the, I was introduced to that back again. My kid brother, who we've mentioned, who was 16 years my younger, is a toddler then, barely a toddler, just... No, he's beginning to be a young kid, right? And he can use the the flight simulator like no one's business. That impressed the crap out of me because I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know where to start. And we talking about floppies. We had the I think it was the five and, five and a quarter inches. Yep, the, the actual ones that would that would flop. The yes. ones the hard small ones that came out later. Yep, yep, yep. So that was my first computer. And one thing before we jump onto your birth is. Back then, four-colored personal computers were state-of-the-art, but my parents had a 16-color. Damn. So even though, yeah, so I had been living away from the house and not speaking to my dad for a few years. But that year, we tr- we made an attempt to try to reconnect. And so my brother, uh, so I had access to his computer for a bit, and I learned how to use it for college and stuff. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So, you know, and then I helped my father in, in our attempts to reconnect, you know, rekindle the relationship. I did help with a couple presentations because that mm. was the artsy. So you could say that that's my first dab into computer graphics. Yeah, to designing, essentially. And here's here's the big milestone that I, I had forgotten about. The biggest milestone of all, the undo function. <laughs> you know, so however being a person that was in my drawings, my technical drawing, I could get really messy and I had to just crumple everything and throw it away and start yep. it. Yep. Control Z, which what, there wasn't a shortcut then; it was just undo. Right. But when I found out you could undo something you had done, that was like I was hooked on. That was exactly. <laughs> that was like a big a literal big, mind blow. Yeah. So that's the biggest. Yeah. I think that's the biggest milestone, and your birth, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you know, a little more important. Here. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, that would have been right around the time that I was born. And so I guess the first milestone for me would be the one that I talked about before would be actually seeing the first computer um, come in to my house. 
and at that time not realizing it but again since we're like looking back like mm-hmm. I slowly started to become kind of aware of like how big of a milestone that actually was and actually thinking about it now it's ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous how much of a milestone that is comparatively but I would have to say like my next one after that would be I think my first gaming system okay and that was like the first um, personal gaming system that was brought into my home now as far as gaming systems go because there was all kinds of ones that happened for earlier computers and um, that kind of stuff my per- first one wasn't until the PS1 and so that one I thought was um, like pretty high cutting technology at that time. Okay. That probably was right around 96, 97 or so. Okay. And so it wasn't. So let, let me go back a little bit there. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, so with your first computer, I think, what, what year did you say that was? Oh, good point. Uh, I think that would have been, I think I said 95 before. Or so? 95, yeah. Okay. Because because um, in ninety one, so I started doing three D graphics, three D computer graphics in the nineties. Okay. In in nineteen ninety, sorry, the turn of the nineties, and then ninety one, I started doing my first gaming. We did we did first shooters, so um, I'm I'm just trying to overlap with your timeline here a little first, bit. You mean first person shooters? First person shooters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you call those first shooters? You said first shooter. That's what I said. Yeah. No, no. Okay, first person shooters. So Wolfenstein three D. Yeah, yeah. Doom and Duke Nukem. And then Doom... Ah, uh, Duke Nukem. Yeah, Duke Nukem was such a hook that I self-intervened and I stopped playing games <laughs> in 1993 and never have played since. Really? Yeah, that's why I'm not a gamer, but we've talked about this a couple of times and that's why I can't relate to some of the game stuff. But it, with other stuff, I can understand the interfacing and the, the graphics. You know, I, I still stayed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to overlap with your timeline here and bring another milestone which is the sound card the sound yeah yeah yeah. The sound card because we had these like we we had pcs that's what all we could afford um and we had these little sounds that were all like the midi sounds that were like really electronic and and then um the sound card came in and we had a little garage where we worked from so i had a little company back then with another two guys we did 3d graphics for television and um and for architects we would do architectural walkthroughs and stuff like that and we played doom we played doom at night and because we had the soundboards people could hear the actual screams <laughs> you know with the chainsaw <laughs> and our neighbors were just like you know they were completely appalled because they didn't know what those three <laughs> you know weird like stoner looking kids were doing in that garage when all these screams would come out at night, right right you know? right it was us just playing these because at that time it was revolutionary it was cutting edge people didn't have it in every house no one expected yes exactly and no one expected a computer to make the sounds of a television that's the big milestone yeah, yeah, yeah. Com- computers hadn't had the power to do so earlier so this is the first time a computer can sound like a movie or a television. So no one th- knew those screams were coming from our computers. They didn't know where they were coming from. All they saw was three stoner-looking kids go down into a garage. <laughs> and then, you know, after a few hours of something, they, they would get all these screams of torture coming out from there. And then the kids would come, come out, you know, and happily leave. Versus me a few years later getting the PS1. And one of the first games my dad got for me was actually the first Jurassic Park game that had come out. Oh, wow. Because yeah. that was right around the time Jurassic Park had come out, mm-hmm. and that was a big thing. I still love that movie. But in that game, like there were sounds of you like potentially getting eaten by dinosaurs. Where yeah, yeah. Just the like, raptors. Ah, yeah. All of this stuff. And you know, that brought me such joy to like crank that up on the TV. <laughs> just like have these sounds going and... God, my parents hated that for a while. <laughs> but one of the other games that I got, um, that my dad got for me, because it was ultimately like a Christmas present, like it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, one of the reasons that my dad got me this gaming machine at this point uh, was because there was a new NASCAR game that had just came out. Mm-hmm. And both he and my mother are huge NASCAR fans. Oh, right. So that makes total sense. Then. Yeah. To a degree, I get, but I, I just never got into it like they did. But anyway, so there was this new NASCAR game that came out, and I think he secretly wanted to play it too, so he got it for me. Yeah, and it was, then that it was one like of those a, presents for yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Yeah, 
But it became a bonding thing for us. So when you get your, your girlfriend a sexy lingerie. <laughs> um, I got a present kind of. for you. <laughs> so, sorry. It, I, I mean, the, the parallel The idea is works. the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that became a real bonding experience for me and my dad until he realized that I was getting much, much better than he was. And I could whoop him at almost every race that we did after mm-hmm. a certain point. Because my hand-eye coordination was better. I was he, he didn't like that? No. Yeah, that's no, how, when, when my brother would destroy us at Duke Nukem, like all three of us, <laughs> he would come to, to the garage and play. You said at that point you were already kind of like out of the gaming scene. Like you had purposely removed yourself from it. I had to. Right. So it then, was eating me alive. <laughs> <laughs> so you were a part of uh, the big revolution that came next, which is probably my next milestone, which is the handheld gaming stuff. Okay. No, I, I was totally out of that one. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the handheld, like when I first got my first Game Boy, um, I think that was probably the next big oh, one. Oh, right, yeah. Because that was, now you got to take all the games that you could potentially play at home. Like the graphics weren't caught up yet to what it was on the PS1 or like to anything. Like mm-hmm. the, I think Nintendo 64 was out right around that time too. But uh, just being able to like take games with you to play was huge. Oh, right. Like think, having yeah. a gaming machine in your pocket. And I think that's right when uh, the first Pokemon game came so out. So you guys too. went mobile. Yeah, we went mobile. So you went from, uh, so you were, before, uh, just explain a little bit again. So before you guys were pretty much tied to the couch, if you right. wanted to play. Right. You had to be at some, so we're back to the whole, like, I'm going home to get a phone call versus. Exactly. I'm going home to play a game. Now it's like, no, I'll just take the game with me. Right, right, like right. Like we can all meet up right. and play the game at the park. Or whatever, or as it later became school, uh, which we had some issues with that once the school kind of right. caught, caught on to it. Like, yeah. oh, we have these personal gaming machines now. I think some kids tried to get away with having it as a pocket calculator at yeah. the time because I love the, how the like design was one on one. Kids are going to try to get around the system, like right. It's a human thing. You're going to try to get around the system. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna push the envelope. You're mm-hmm. gonna try and get away with shit that you shouldn't get away with. Right. But know, looking back, it was actually kind of genius for the first couple of ones until they caught on. And then anyone after that, it's like, you're just an idiot trying to pull that prank again. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, that's, that's, it's totally understandable. I had this one guy, so this is old tech just for laughs. Right. But I had this one guy, like right before we, we were college age. So like the end of, what, what is it, high school, I think is the equivalent here. Probably, yeah. Right, right before college, uh, right? Junior high or so, probably. No, this is like at the end of high school. This is right before college, the last year before college, 17 years old. Oh, for you, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and there was this one guy, uh, so they let us have calculators in some in some exams. So okay. I'm talking math, you know, maybe chemistry, physics. Um, and then this one guy had this smart calculator who could do a lot more things and could hook up to his Walkman. So on his cassette, he could actually get data in the cassette and put it in the calculator. I don't know how he did what? it. What? But yeah, but he was pretty much reading. So he was cheating on the exam because he was he had all kinds of like formulas that you weren't supposed to have memorized or anything. You know, the calculator was just for last calculations, the whole right. deduction and the formula and the solving problem solving skills. Like that everything was, to get to that point. Right. And I don't remember what the deal was, but he was like. He could actually, so we could borrow his calculator. We were all like reading stuff. <laughs> we were scrolling through this little strip of, you know, <laughs> the little text on there and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just had text. It was like a ticker tape. Yep. And we'd just be scrolling stuff because he would, he would put it from his Walkman. He was like, oh no, I just have the Walkman here. It's for, you know, we, I'm going to listen to music later in recess. So that's how we cheat. <laughs> that's how we got around the system. So yeah, it's kind so of like it's always coming around. Then mm-hmm. it's yeah. always yeah. It's more low tech than your example, obviously, but yeah. Kids are smart. They will they will get around stuff if they can. That's what. Yeah, I've I've actually just jumped back to, to 1981. I think that's the, <laughs> that's what. Yeah. So let's go back to uh, handheld gaming devices. All right. So we had the handheld gaming, um, and I think that was pretty close to the same time actually as when the internet really took off. And I mean, we're talking like mainstream. That's the, the big milestone there. So that you're saying that that is the flip point. That's inflection point of industrial. Yeah, I think so. Okay. From industrial era to informational era. Right. It's the internet going mainstream. I think. Right, because that was right when we were starting to be told that we could use the the computer as a tool to like go on the internet, 
and do research for like school papers or, you know, a number of other things. Some of us, that was when we started to figure out what chat rooms were. Right. Internet <laughs> relay chart. Chat. Sorry. So what was it? Merck and is that how you guys call it? M-I-R-C? We called that Merck directly. Uh, no. The fact, the fact of, actually, one of the first ones I remember us using was uh, AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, wow. See, that's for, that, that was so mainstream. That's because you were kids. We well, were using, of course, we yeah. were all using the free disks we got in the mail. Right, right. Yeah, no, we were using IRC like like hardcore. Right. And there were some like chat rooms. Like, we were talking with Australia about stuff that um, is not pertinent to bring up in this uh, here podcast. <laughs> not today. But, yeah. Not today. But yeah, but talk about like, talk about the Wild West in terms of information and access to communication. Exactly. And stuff. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, but just, God, I remember that too with the magazines that would always come with those freaking AOL discs that were like, start your, you know, one month free trial, blah, 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 blah. And if you just made a different email address each time, you always had one month free of mm -hmm. AOL to go on. That's, I heard of that. Yeah. See, that, that happened in the States only in, in Europe we had, those were really restricted. Really? For us. Yeah. It was like, why is this? Oh, it's one of those American things. Okay. You know, it's like, oh, because I can't get on this with, you know, there were some like user groups that you can get on and mm -hmm. I don't know, it's like weird stuff like that. So, right. I feel like we had a more open that, you know, more dangerous, you know, it wasn't ever, but it, <laughs> dangerous. We had access to a bunch of stuff. Like the user groups back then was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was huge, you know. Yeah. And yeah, IRC, there were two clients. One was MIRC, which we called Merck. Okay. And the other one was, I think, see something IRC. Yeah, that was CS. not anything that I, I think even Merck. Oh, Merck and Perch, P I R C H, and okay. they stood. They all stood for like platform of internet related chat. Oh sure, yeah, it was all like uh, hula baloo acronyms. Know, yeah, so that's what that was, and Merck was I don't know, massive internet related chat or like I don't know murky internet related chat. Yeah, so we just had like the AOL Instant Messenger chat rooms. Nice. Um, uh, and then there were other sites that, um, I don't even remember what sites I would go to, but they were just like websites that were strictly hosting like chat rooms sort of stuff. And that was when I first started to figure out what like forums and stuff were. Nice, yeah. Um, and like trying to build up a community of friends that you may never meet, but it was cool to like have this connectivity now. Mm -hmm. And then shortly thereafter, now that I'm starting to get the hang of it, is the Y2K stuff. Oh yeah, that was fun. <laughs> the world is going doomsday. to doomsday. Yeah, because it was the what was it? The end of the Mayan calendar or something like that. It was no, that's 2010. That's a different. That, okay, story. That, yeah, that, okay. No, Y2K right. was what? Here's I. I think I've, I'm going to try to explain it, but look it up online. Well, all I remember from that is that it was supposed to be like all computers shut down. Yeah, and because that's the really counters they, because they hadn't built the counters and the computers to go beyond 2000. The year 2000. It was something like that. So okay. in the hardwired part of the... So I don't know if it was the ROM or the read-only memory yeah, of computers. Yeah. That, that All the PCs, it was said that they didn't have a way to go beyond the year 2000. So I think I'm summarizing it pretty good, but look it up. Okay, okay, uh, okay. And the, the contention of Y2K was after the 2K, after the year 2000, all of those computers were going to stop working. So the software, everything was just going to stop working. And so everything that was connected was going to go to hell and it was going to be doomsday. That was, <laughs> and what I do remember is coming to the state. I was like fresh off the boat then. Like I've been like four years in the States or something like that. Sure. No, wait, I'm sorry. No, in the year 2000, I was on, on my second year in the States. I'm sorry. I'm hallucinating. So you're like fresh to the United States. Really fresh to the United States. And I loved this diner. You know that diner in St. Paul that's like a wagon? It's like a tram wagon. You mean like the, the train car? Yeah, it's a train car in St. Paul. And it's a diner. Yeah, Mickey's Diner. Mickey's Diner, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love that place. And uh, I remember walking in there, and there's a handwritten sign on the door that says, Mickey's Diner, Y2K compliant since 1950-something. <laughs> I don't remember what the day was, but it was awesome. And that's my biggest memory of Y2K, because, of course, it all... Like, how did it affect you? Because it all blew over, right? Oh, we were just, like, I was a kid at the time. And so me and my friends were all making jokes about, like, oh, the world's going to come to an end. All the computers are going to shut down. And then secretly all of us are looking at, like, all of our, like, Game Boys and everything. We're like, all, all computers? <laughs> except like, except all, this one, right? All computers? 
Because right. I don't want to lose my games. That right there was like kind of my takeaway from Y2K. It was just mm-hmm. remembering like parents freaking out, seeing it all over the news, a bunch of doomsday preppers buying out all the like canned <laughs> supplies in yeah. the grocery stores and, and everything. And doing target practice. <laughs> <laughs> and getting the gas mask ready. Yeah. I, I do remember... Um, my parents thought it was a lot of BS, but just in case, I remember my mom going out to the store and buying copious amounts of bottled water, just in case. So they did buy into it. Well, yeah, it's a, it proved well, it's they, not. They, to my face, they were like, nah, it's nothing. Yeah. And my dad was a firm believer, like, because he had been working um, with the government for a long time, and so I'm sure he was privy to a lot more right. tech stuff than I, you know, will ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like, that's total crap. My mom, you know, just in case, just yeah. just to be safe. You never know, right? right. Well, that's smart. So I, I think we just hit timeline number three because that's when. So this is like millennial about when your daughter my daughter was born. born. Okay, my daughter was born in ninety eight. Okay, so, so so it's just a little bit after that then. So she's around yeah. at this point. But I mean, we're at the turn. Yeah, we're at the turn of the millennium. Yeah. So right, my right, daughter's right. a little toddler. She's you know really cute. I mean, she's two years old. Right. Uh, there's still a landline at the house. We have a personal computer at the house. We have internet. At the house, so all of that is a given to the millennial. So now, so now she is born into all of this, just right. being in the home. Right, and I'm trying to overlap it, so we still have the landline at home. Okay, but now we're beginning to have cell phones. It's not normal. Uh, we didn't have a, we didn't have a cell phone each. My wife and I didn't have a cell phone each then. Mm-hmm. I think there was one for emergencies that had to be hooked up, and you know we didn't have a plan with it so we had dropped the plan but we still had the device or something was that like the big brick cell phone no we, we'd already left the big brick that was a smaller brick it's still a brick still a brick but it wasn't like the big brick i remember the 70s the first is it freehand is it well, wireless the first wireless, wireless yeah. phone it was a landline but it looked like a big walkie-talkie like this it, it actually had, had like an the antenna, big antenna right you yeah had to, you had to pull it up otherwise you didn't hear crap <laughs> and and we, and we thought that was so slick and it looked like a walkie-talkie that you would see in the Second World War, you know, medic, right. you know what I mean? And, but we thought it was the coolest thing. So no, jump back to... Um, so it's a smaller version of that, which is still like the... It's, it's the kind handheld. of a blocky thing, but yeah. it's smaller, yeah. But it's, you know, like a little toy walkie-talkie looking thing. Sure. So let's let's just recap. At the birth of the millennial, we have landline in the house. Yep. We have VHS. Yep. We have CDs for music. We have a computer, personal computer. Mm-hmm. We don't use a cell phone. There is a cell phone, but it's uh, we have to hook it up to a plan. It used to have a four-month plan. We later sure. collapsed. It's for emergencies only, and it's shared by the whole household. So it was around, just not it's like around, widely used. Yeah, or it's, it's like kind that, of right. a, a it's an interesting electronic accessory at that sure, point. It's sure. not it's not a given. So that's our that's our situation. At how about yours? My experience with cell phones at that point was again not a given thing it was definitely an accessory but that was also shortly after that right around the time that i mentioned before like my parents got split up and so i got my first cell phone okay which was like this little nokia brick thing which you know didn't have a lot of bells and whistles it still had like the the two color screen so mm-hmm. like green and black you know mm-hmm. uh which you could play snake on so oh, was that. yeah i got snake yeah I remember <laughs> snake. so and, and this is what year we're talking about there uh this would have been 2002 2003 or so okay so then around this time is when i think the big the big milestone there is the palm pilot okay so the so, first uh, handheld planner device you know the personal assistant the personal assistant yeah correct yeah so i remember that came around i didn't have one but i was already in the business so i was already doing ux sure uh, user experience um called it interactive design back then uh and you know you had like the the first, uh, the early adopter, um, couple of douchebags like interrupting the, the meetings with a little <laughs> thing and tapping importantly about stuff that they could have written in a piece of paper. But that was right. cool. But what was cool about that, and we'll talk about this, and I think we want to talk about design in another episode probably, mm-hmm. um, since we're both designers. But um, yeah, 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 I that'd think, be great. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the, and remind me to bring this up, but one of the biggest milestones there is, is as designers, the experience of actually designing the Palm Pilot, which is something that I've read and studied a little bit, is fascinating. So really? we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, but that, okay. that I think is the other milestone because it, I think it precedes the device-centric era. 
So the Palm Pilot and the personal assistant devices start to show a little bit of what's yet to come. Right, because um, it starts to give that, I mean, it's, it's not directly correlated at this point, um, but that's sort of like early smartphone type of stuff, mm-hmm. like being able to take all of that with you, right? Correct. Like just having that in your pocket, having it wherever you go. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and spoiler alert about the designer conversation that we're going to have, the guy in charge of designing that device walked around with a wooden block in his pocket the size of the, the pump out that they were intending to, um, to release to the market to see how comfortable how you be. experience yeah if people would be able to experience normal life just carrying a little tile in their hand so he would have different blocks interesting that he would walk around in his daily life just as like a demo sort of thing yeah just to see you know like will huh. people be able to live with one of these huh. things all the time so that's an important milestone right there I'll have to put a pin in that one and from come the back inside to it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah I'm sure you won't forget because we we do this so you'll, <laughs> you'll remember but yeah but that I think that's a huge milestone there that's not as well known Right. So then what would we say the next milestone would be? Would that be, God, probably DVDs? Would DVD be the next one? No, DVDs were were around for a while, but... Well, I mean like mainstream, like taking over VHS. Yes, absolutely there. So yeah. So I think at that point, VHS... Blockbuster, like having to have them shift their whole thing. Yeah, exactly. You start seeing it on the shelves. You start seeing... um, Everybody starts having a DVD player now. Right. Um, People's VHSs start being relegated. So they... Right, because they started... Uh, well, with VHS, like one of the reasons that we started switching to DVDs was like with the VHS, people would watch them so much they were literally burning them out. Well, yeah, magnetic. So magnetic tape wears off. Right. So the emulsion of the magnetic tape wears over time. So the more you watch a VHS tape, the more you listen to a cassette tape or a spool, the more quality loss there is. Right. 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 Digital until the disc deteriorates physically, mm-hmm. the signal always has the same fidelity because. Because of how the digital signal, we can go into that into detail another time if you want to, but because of how the deta- the the signal is stored, mm-hmm. there can be no interference. It's either one or zero. Right. And there's there's a way to explain how that works, but so you, there is no quality lost out of wear. But I think that, that that's the time. What are we talking about? Like mid um, first millennial. Yeah, so this is probably like uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, well, um, I, I think a little bit. I think a little bit sooner than that. It's sooner than early. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, so, I'm trying to remember back, back when. Uh, because people are still holding on to VHS just because it has that quality of the books where you can see it on your shelf. I guess that's and true. You have right? a collection, and people are still trying to cling to that. Right. But eventually, they let go and they start putting DVDs instead. You know. Well, once people started to like really put a lot of effort into like the DVD cases and when they became standardized and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, have you got the latest movie on DVD? Right. 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 Oh, right. So much better than the VHS. Yeah. And, and the, <laughs> the sound quality, everything was just, was just a lot better quality. So I think right. that happened there. And I think the next milestone would have to be cell phones. Like everybody actually carrying the flip phone, flip phone. So flip oh, phone. Yes. Also known as the oyster phone in Spain. <laughs> the clamshell. Yeah, the clam phone. Yeah. Um, God, flip phones. That was That's a blast from the past. I remember uh, flip phones. My dad first got his first flip phone. And he was so proud of it. And it was like this kind of like chunky, like it was like a half brick sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You split open and now it's like a nice relatively yeah like piece. And everybody acted so with important like the, with the them. antenna piece on it. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually, my first flip phone was the Motorola Razor. The Motorola Razor, I think, is honestly like it was the peak of design for like flip phones back then. Mm-hmm. And it was just so sleek and sexy. And I remember when I got that one, like showing it off to my friends at school, and I was like, "Check out my new cell phone!" Like, I'm cutting edge. I'm cool. I've got the latest and greatest. Feeling all good about it. <laughs> Did you take pictures with it yet, or not yet? Oh, you could take pictures. They were shit pictures but well, i remember I, I posted one of my selfies as a throwback thursday like from a, one of those phones years, yeah yeah a few years ago and i somebody commented it was really funny somebody's comment was like i had forgotten how blurry you were back then 
everything was blurry back then. It was funny, yeah. Um, so we did flip phones. What, what would be like the next big one then? Because the I feel like the iPod. The iPod. Oh, I think right. Yeah, the no, that's a great Discman one. and Walkman out the window. The right, predecessor right, right. of the iPhone right in the door. So right, and now we're starting to have like those disc drives in our pocket. Because mm-hmm. I remember the first iPods like had the disc drives because you could like put it up to your ear and hear it whirring. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that's why they were like so thick and chunky because they had to accommodate that. Well, if you tried to go jogging with that thing, you know, it would just like jump. It would skip all the yeah. time. It was like having a Walkman, kind of. Well, that's well, the Walkman was better because the Walkman didn't skip. So that's why the Walkman took a while to. You didn't have a, a Walkman. Are you talking about the cassette player? Or the, are you talking, I'm talking about, about the cassette player? Not the I'm talking disc about man. the Walkman. That's the Discman. That's the Discman. The Discman would jump. The Walkman wouldn't. So the reason the Walkman right, didn't right, right. phase out that fast was because of that. I mean, but the iPod at least was better about it. Yeah, sure. Like, if you were just walking, it wasn't too bad. It was like, but if you were, like, jogging or running or high impact, that's where you had the potential Mm -hmm. to have it skip. Luckily, unlike a disc, it wouldn't scratch it, and then, um, like, you'd have that same problem on the same track all the time. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) And and there's there's another advantage of it, the design change. Right. Of just a little, little wheelie thing instead of a keyboard. You know, that was revolutionary. Yeah, so that was right that was there. huge. Yeah. Was having your entire interface built off of a scroll wheel mm-hmm. and being able to just like navigate that way. Mm-hmm. And that's how a lot of companies learned how they could, uh, I, think, I think a lot of designers and a lot of companies learned how they could implement such a big paradigm shift on right. the general public so fast. Right. That, that's what's really interesting. So this would be, I guess iPod would be right about the time that my little brother was born. And so that's when... So we're talking now like... What? So now, now we've sort of like jumped to that... 2005, six, something like that? Uh, yeah, right around that time. Uh, and so that would have been like Gen Z sort of era. Mm-hmm. I think there's some overlap between millennial and Gen Z still Obviously, there. Right? But yeah. like what is considered now Gen Z, like he definitely falls into that. And I just think that that's... The iPod is probably right around when that happened. I mean, it was also a big thing happening then with social media. Right. Like, for me personally, it was everyone getting into MySpace. Mm-hmm. And everyone had to have, like, their MySpace mm-hmm. pages and decked out with, like, the, you know, whatever um, was the latest and greatest songs that you could put music on your profile right. pages that would autoplay when people showed up. And mm-hmm. and you had Tom be your friend. Yep. Tom would be your friend. <laughs> that, I think that yeah. was actually my first intro into... Um, like web design because you got to uh, design your page, your MySpace, your MySpace layout, page, right? Um, and then try to figure out hacks to like do the cool reverse like, engineer the CSS. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like the CSS from hell. Yeah, <laughs> it's famous for that. But yeah, so that that was like yeah. my experience going on with social media at that point um, was definitely like the the MySpace like right. social world. What about you? Right. Well, um, so in MySpace, it's funny you say that because MySpace is. Did you have a MySpace? Actually, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so remember, like, I'm a, I'm an older guy, but I'm a first generation digital dude. So well, yeah, yeah, I, I had a MySpace. Not everyone had a MySpace. I was in an agency then, you know, mm. and our, my creative director was crazy. She was saying MySpace is the place to go. Okay. So she was all over social media, and it's you know to me it was really just seeing how um, the forums that you just mentioned and the internet relay chats come together. Right. And shortly thereafter, we just dropped. So MySpace became the dweeb thing. Everybody got on Facebook, and Facebook was cool back then. Fancy that, like you know, <laughs> Facebook being cool. Uh, I actually predicted when it was going to turn into a dweeb thing too, but right. so that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, so we had Mace, uh, Facebook. We had LinkedIn, which I still am. I still have that account. I've dropped the Facebook and the MySpace ones. Yep. And then uh, there's Friendster in Europe. There was okay. WhatsApp came shortly afterwards, but Friendster was the guys that began. No, FriendFeed. I'm sorry. They Friend began feed. the the like. They began the the thumb. Oh, that's where that thumb. started. Yeah. Okay. And Facebook bought it, and then they brought the. So I have my old Facebook oh, archives because I'm not in Facebook anymore. That's where it all started. The big like wars. But here's the thing. So I have my Facebook archives of ten years of Facebook before I dropped off. Right. And the first years don't have likes. So if I look at my archives and I look at all the comments and the posts, because I still have them locally saved to my hard drive, that was, you know. So all that stuff happened then around, I think, I would say 2005 to 2007 okay. was the huge social media And that media was right stuff. around the time that 
Then smartphones started taking. Smartphones, right? yeah. So the iPhone is released, I believe, in 2006, or I start seeing them around work in 2006 and seven. Right. 2008, I start feeling the pressure of getting one, and I believe my first one was either 2008 or 2009. My first iPhone, mm-hmm. and I wanted to go a different route. I didn't want to do an Apple one, but back then, because I had to study apps, that was the biggest app right. market was an iPhone, so I got right. an iPhone. So what about you? Um, my first. My first um, iPhone probably would have been around 2009, 2010. Okay. Right when, like, the 3G came out. 3G is 2009-10, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's that's when I first got mine. And I remember having the Razer up until that point and just, like, the night and day difference it was to go from mm-hmm. that phone to an iPhone, to mm-hmm. a smartphone. Yeah. That could, like, do all this different stuff. And it was just... yeah. And you could post on your social media feed. Oh, my God. Trying and to figure out how to use apps in the first place was picture. crazy. Yeah. I had the Samuel, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson app and the beer drinking. Did you ever have the lightsaber app? That was super funny. Of course I did. That was so funny. And you just wiggled it around. Like, yeah, you tap a little button and it's like... Yeah. And if you like tap two phones together, it would like... Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was so stupid and so fun. And a great way to break your phone. <laughs> yes, I mean, and then would you would you say tablets is the next one or as far as big milestones go, I would say I personally think tablets would be the next one. To me, tablets was just like a biggest a bigger iPhone. I found that so stupid. I, you know? I mean, technically, just kind of is, but it was also a big revolution as far as like personal computers went because instead of having to carry around this big chunky laptop all the time everywhere, because I mean, this is before like the MacBook Air and all that mm-hmm. stuff where they started to like really streamline that. The tablet was like a computer you could take with you anywhere. I, I carried a laptop it, with me on a backpack like Elliot from from Mr. Robot. Yeah, but how like, heavy was that thing compared to like having a just an iPad? I go to the chiropractor. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But but then, then then again, no, I see what you're saying and I and I hear you and, and I think you're absolutely right. But then the thing that I had against it is you can't save stuff on your iPod. Uh, sorry, on, well, your, on your tablet, you can save a lot more stuff on your laptop, and it's it's more of yours. Right, because at that point, uh, they had gotten rid of the ability for you to like use it as a hard drive, right? So mm-hmm. it was like it was just whatever you could get at the app store, right? Or like download from whatever you can get from that. It wasn't you could like upload stuff to right. it, right? You could get little clouds that you could use, like Evernote, like the you know, yeah. original apps yeah. from then. You could save stuff on the cloud, but yeah. God. So that's your next that's your next milestone of Gen Z. Yeah, I think. Tablets would have been a good one. Or, you know, you know, I think another good one would actually be the rise of Siri and Alexa. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, and just like this this idea of, no, Alexa, calm down, go away. Alexa, Artificial stop. intelligence. Is Alexa waking up? <laughs> there you go. So, speaking of the devil. Artificial um, intelligence. Yes, and, and the, the rise of having like this uh, personality to interact with. Because I remember when... Um, Apple brought on Siri to the phones um, and just having all of that. Mm-hmm. The com- conversational UI. That's, right, 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 right. The whole conversational UI. And, thing, and starting yeah. to think of that because, I mean, it, it's the, the call and response and being able to program it to attempt to give you the answer that you're seeking. Right. Yeah, the self-learning algorithms and the ontologies yeah, yeah. of, you know, um, self-learning ontologies. I don't know if that's the right, the exact right term. Mm-hmm. We'll have to ask our friend, the taxonomist, you know who I'm talking about? Yes, yeah, yeah. We'll have to ask him. Yeah. But I, I was actually reading about it the other day because I had to work, it was a work-related thing. But yeah, so Alexa and Siri would be, I think, the big, uh, the big milestone. I think that the latest one would have to be SmartWatch. Smartwatch, which I, uh, I, I purposely I stay in dumb watch. Yeah, but, I, but it's, there's it's something cool like, and this is, <laughs> but it's a dumb watch. But but it's just there's something classic and <clears throat> timeless. I just about having a piece like that. I, I I yeah I just use them because they match my belt and my shoes. Well, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I pull I, my smartphone to look at the time. I started you know, using right? a smartwatch a couple of years ago, um, and I was really late to the smartwatch game. But when I started to see how it was connecting everything that I used on a daily basis regardless, and then would just serve it up to me, like, instead of trying to pull my phone out or open up my computer and figure out, all I had to do was this. Mm-hmm. And it was right there. Right. And it, that hooked, blew my mind. Yeah, right. There was a period of time recently where I had to take it off for a long period of time 
because uh, I realized that I was just doing this constantly throughout the day. Like, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, hold on. Is it, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, I keep going. Oh, oh hold on. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to make sure it wasn't important, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And it, it just get, it got so annoying to the point where I was annoying myself, so I can't even imagine how much I was annoying other people. I, I, I think, actually, you hit a great point there because I think that this is the limit of the smart technology and it compares really well to Google Glass. Like, how much do you want your device to take over your life? Right. And how much can you afford to let your device take over your life? That's, I think, an interesting thing that we might want to talk about some other time, too. Yeah. Uh, but it, it also shows us how integrated it's become into right. like, the day-to-day stuff. I mean, exactly. Let, let's go back. Think about my little brother who cannot go for a five-minute car drive without having his tablet mm-hmm. to... Like, watch something, consume something, anything. Mm-hmm. Like, he cannot do it. And that's just blows my mind to go from that and then think about all the way at the other end of our spectrum here. Now we're at the beginning and, of the time. <laughs> you know, full circle. We're coming around. And just to think about, like, that just wasn't even a concept. That wasn't even, like, science fiction writing at that point. Right. Well, in fact, Gmail recently sent me an email saying they had taken all of my flight information from my reservations that I had on the email confirmations right. and put them on my Google Calendar right. without my permission and informed me that I could opt out of that option. Now, when I was born, when I was growing up, you needed a court order to read somebody's mail. But now Gmail, whatever I've signed to have the Gmail service provided to me, yeah. understands that by default they can read everything I have there and I have to opt out. It's not the other way around. It used to be that you had to opt in. Interesting. So that has happened. Huh. And so in my era, you needed a court order. In yours, you had to opt in. And now, in Gen Z, you have to opt out. Huh. That's... uh. Ain't that some shit? Yeah. Is it 1984 yet?